0: The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. It's just a phase. I feel like as a parent, I've heard those words and I've said those words so many times and sometimes they are a hope filled reminder for me on the sleepless nights right that they're the reminder that this this will pass or for some of you as teenagers right it's the reminder that that this this will this will pass at other times though it's also the reminder that it goes by way too quick Right? It's a reminder at, at a birthday time that you can't believe how old your kids are. When Facebook has the, the memories that pop up, which I think are just a way to make parents cry, are, are, just, are, are a reminder that I can't believe how quickly the phases go by. And so today we're beginning a mini-series. We're going to spend two weeks talking about how do we use the phases that our kids are in to, to invest in their lives. Because they go by so quickly. What we don't want to do is we don't want to miss the phase our kids are in and the opportunities we have to make a difference. And so today, we're going to begin talking about how to influence the next generation. And so th- this, this series, we're going to primarily be directing it to parents, but it's not just a series for parents. Because we also know that we have many grandparents in the room who are trying to make a difference in the life of their grandkids. We also, we also know that this, this is a series for aunts and uncles. We have nieces and nephews who are making a difference in the lives of their kids. It's for, it's for, we have many teenagers who are serving. We have, we have high schoolers who serve in our middle school ministry. We have, we have middle schoolers serving in our kids ministry. We have teenagers serving in all different age groups. And and so it's, it's for our teenagers who are investing in generations of kids who are younger than them. It's for older brothers and sisters who have siblings who look up to them. It's for single people who maybe don't have kids of their own, maybe some of them can't have kids, maybe some of them don't want kids, um, but it's, it's for all of us because what we share is a collective responsibility to influence the faith of the next generation. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to be talking about how to do that. And so kids, if you're here, um, if you, since you have those little wiki sticks, um, feel free, if you feel like your parents are nodding off, just poke them right in the cheek or something and that will that'll keep them paying attention through, throughout the service. And so, as we talk about, about this idea, it's just a phase. We're going to use this definition of the word phase. A phase is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. So, think about this in every phase, which truly is just a phase, we have unique opportunities, and we have unique relationships and conversations. And changes that, that aren't true of other phases. And so in each phase in a kid's life, there are different conversations you have. There are different relationships that you want to encourage in the lives of your kids. There are, there are different questions you, they might be asking and you might be asking. And so in each phase, what we have is unique opportunities that we won't have in any, at any other point in the lives of our kids. And so the question is, if it's just a phase, how do we make sure we don't miss those opportunities? Now the challenge for us as parents is because it's just a phase, that means every 52 weeks you have to relearn how to parent. Because your kid next year is not the same kid that you're raising this year. And now kids, you actually understand this because you've had moments, right, where maybe you're in third grade and you you start to think, why are my parents treating me like I'm still in kindergarten? Or you, right, you're a teenager, and now teenager years are really hard because you start to know more than your parents, right? And so, and so in the teenage years, what, what becomes difficult is you have these moments where you start to wonder, like, why are my parents treating me like I'm still a kid? And so for parents, it's challenging for us because in each phase, things change. Our relationship with our kids change. The opportunities change. The conversations change. And so while with a preschooler, we might be talking about things like privates are private when they become high schoolers hopefully we're not still having that conversation right that the, the conversations change and while different conversations are important they look different in each and every phase if you could open your bibles to the book of deuteronomy chapter 6 I want to spend a couple moments unpacking some of the ideas that Deuteronomy 6 lays out for us. Now, there's a ton that we could cover here, but we're going to just focus in on three ideas... ...that I think will make a dramatic difference in the life of the next generation. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse 4, and we'll read from verses 4 through 9. Moses writes this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. Now what's interesting in this text, there there are a few words that I believe that is really easy for us to skip over. And it's easy because this this text is loaded with some important ideas. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind. And press this on your children. But those first three words says something very important. When it says, hear, O Israel. What that reminds us is that Moses is not just communicating to parents. He's talking to an entire faith community. And so when Moses says, hear, O Israel. what What he wants all of them to understand is that it's all of our responsibility to influence the next generation. And so parents... For you, you have an important responsibility because there is no one more influential in the life of your kids than you are. But for those of us who maybe aren't parents or, or we, we know that there are other kids who are not ours. When Moses says, hear, O Israel, he's saying to the entire church that it's on all of us to make sure that we are investing in the lives of young people. See, we believe that two combined influences is better than just two influences. And so when we take the influence of parents in the home, and when you combine that with the influence of a church, and specifically in the church, when you have adults and other leaders who are investing in the lives of kids, when you combine those influences together, it multiplies the impact. And so imagine if you as a parent were investing in the life of your kids through spiritual conversations, and you also knew that there were other adults, or maybe if your kids are little, maybe even other teenagers, who want the same thing for your kids that you do. See, what would you give to have somebody else who could say the same things to your kids? See, because the challenge for us, as our kids move from phase to phase to phase, the influence we have changes. And we don't necessarily lose influence, but what that influence looks like changes. And so when our kids are really little, we have, we have authority simply because we're bigger, because we, we pay for stuff, because we feed them. But when our kids get older and older, that, re, that influence changes, and it becomes less about authority and more about relationship. And so it becomes challenging. And not only that, but the amount of time we have with our kids change. And so if you're a parent of of little ones, right, you know that you spend a lot of time with your little kids. And sometimes even in the middle of the night when you wish you weren't spending time with your kids, you're spending time with your kids. But then suddenly they become kindergartners and they're in school all day. And you watch that amount of time just shrink dramatically very quickly. And then maybe they, they start to get third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And the activities that they do cuts into that time you have even more. And then they become teenagers. We have middle school students, and they're playing sports, and they have after-school activities. And suddenly you have less time, and you also as a parent start to think, man, there's so much going on. If only they could drive, then that would help free me up a little bit. But then they start driving, and you lost another chunk of time. Because suddenly all that time you spent with them in the car, you don't have it anymore. And so what can we do as parents with the time that we have? What if we utilize that time... So that as parents, we might have conversations. And so that as the church, we might be investing in kids in every phase of their life. See, the challenge, being a kid is hard. And being a teenager is especially hard. And so when your kids become teenagers, or if your kids already are teenagers... See, here's here's something that's interesting about teenagers. This current generation of teenagers is lonelier than any other generation... See, previous generations, what, what we as adults worried at most about teenagers... ...was their at-risk activities being, were things they did with other people. So we worried about them going to the parties. We worried about the choices that they would make at those parties. This generation is lonelier than ever, ever before. And so the, the, the rates of anxiety and depression have skyrocketed. And so when your kids become teenagers... ...they're going to talk to somebody... And so you can either let them find that person or you can help them find that person now. See, what would you give to know that you had an adult who was investing in their life that would say the same things to to your kids that you would in that situation? That would cry with them, that would pray for them, that would text them the next week and follow up and say, hey, how's how's that situation going? See, what would you give in those moments? Because as parents, we can't do it alone. And God says we weren't meant to do it alone. He says this is a, an entire faith community, that we do this thing together. See what, see, what I have learned about our small group leaders in our student ministry, those are the first people that have the difficult conversations with your kids. And it's not a bad thing that they're the first people. In fact, that's, those are the best people for your kids to have that conversation with. Because they are going to look for somebody. And so what would you give for when your kids are hurting to have that kind of person in their life? And that doesn't start once they become teenagers. That starts when they're really little, and so I want this to be very practical and possible for you as parents. And so, and so I also want to lay out what that looks like in our ministries. And so, from ages two all the way through eighteen, we we get kids in small groups every week. And so, from ages two to grade five, that happens on Sunday mornings. And so every Sunday morning, we have our kids in small groups. If you're a kid in here, you actually, you actually might, might even know this, right? You go in the room, and there are adults, there are teenagers that love and care about you. Why? Because they want to make a difference in your life. And so you are in that room, and yes, there's large group time, but the most important time is when you're with just, just a few other people, and you're talking, you're playing games, you're having snack. Why? It's, it's because we want adults and other leaders who are influencing their lives. And so that happens on Sunday mornings. And so what I would encourage you as a parent is to get your kids here on Sunday mornings and get them here often. No, I get I, it's challenging. Especially some of you try to try to get your kids ready on your own in the morning. And so, and so you come to church and you have plenty to confess because, you have, because of everything that took to get here. Right? I, I, I realize it's so hard. But maybe Sunday mornings isn't for you as much as it is for them. No, I realize something's happened for you too. But, but maybe there's something really important happening for them. And I don't want to leave out nursery either. Because, because we, we often think, right, nursery happens just so when you come to church that you can, that you can get a break. And yes, that is true. That's, and that's okay. But also think about this. See, what, what, your, what your babies learn when they're in the nursery is that they can trust the adults at this church. And so your six-month-old, when they start to have a familiar face in the nursery, they know they can trust these people. And so when that baby becomes a two-year-old and now sits around the table, and that leader begins to ask them a question that shows that what they think matters, it changes your future teenager. It changes the conversations they are going to have when they feel like their world's falling apart. And so my encouragement to you would be, be, find other adults who can invest in the life of your kids. And we want to help doing that on Sunday mornings. And so if you can get them here on Sunday mornings, if you can get them here, if you're a 9-15 family, go to nine fifteen. If you're 11 o'clock, go to 11 o'clock. Because the more they go, and the more they go at the same time, they'll start to have the same leaders and would be with the same kids. And it will make a difference in their life. Now, for our teenagers, this best happens on Wednesday nights. And so we have some incredible leaders on Wednesday nights who show up week after week after week in the life of our teenagers. And not only do they show up when they are here on a Wednesday night, but they're also the kind of leaders who show up in the life of our kids. Who text them, who call them, who, who chat with them on Instagram. who, who when, when, when something feels like it's falling apart, that's who the kids call. And so on Wednesday nights, you you can encourage us in the life of your kids. Get them here. Get them in a small group. And then trips can become a catalyst that builds into those relationships. Now, if you're here as we talk about this, some of you are here and thinking about it in terms of being a parent. But I also realize that as we talk about this, some of you might be thinking about how we serve the next generation in ways that maybe you didn't think about before. Maybe it's elevated the importance in ways that you maybe didn't consider. And so what I want to encourage you, if you feel maybe God's stirring something in your heart... I believe the most important volunteer role in this church... And I can say this because because I have the microphone. So I believe the most important volunteer role in the church is our small group leaders um, for kids and teenagers. And so if you feel that, that God is maybe calling you to invest weekly in the life of a kid or teenager... I want you to think about that, pray about it, and I would love to have a conversation with you about what that would look like. Now, I'm not asking you to make any commitments now, but we can talk about is, is that a fit? Is, does that work for you? Does it work for us? Um, because, because we want to have leaders who are every week showing up in the life of kids and teenagers throughout the school year. And so maybe for some of you, you haven't thought about that before, um, but maybe some of you are actually wired for that. And regardless of what age that is, I believe that their future would be dramatically different if you invested in their life. And, he, and here's my question regarding that. If it's not you, then who? If you aren't investing in the life of the next generation, who is? Now Moses, when he's talking about ...impressing the love of God in the next generation... ...he also uses this incredible language when he says... ...now talk about it. And talk about it when you walk along the road... ...when you lie down, when you get up. And here's what's incredible about this. See, and this is, this is thousands of years ago... ...Moses is writing these words. And what he says it applies just the same today. See, Moses doesn't ask families to add anything else to their schedule... Like, do you realize that? He's not saying put more time into your family. He's simply saying you already are doing certain things with your family. Maybe you can change how you're using that time. Because we don't have more time. But we can refocus the time that we already have. Like, let's, let's do a survey. And kids, you can help us out in, in this too. How many, how many of you kids, families, how many of you slept last night? Our parents. I'm sorry. That uh, looks like some of you didn't sleep. Um, all right. What about how many of you in the past week have had dinner with your family? All right. How, how many of you see your parents at some point in the morning before you go to school? Okay. And and, and how many? What did, what did I leave out? Morning, dinner, bed. How many of you have d- drive in the car with your parents? Okay, so so there are certain times that happen in our days that we have periods of time with our kids. And so what if we thought differently about that time? What if when we, when we were in the car, we didn't immediately put on a DVD, but we used just a portion of that time to have a conversation? What if in the morning before our kids went to school, we encouraged them before they left? What if when we tucked our kids into bed... We prayed with them. Or, or maybe if our teenagers don't want to be tucked into the bed because it's a little bit weird. Um, what, what, if we, what if we sat at the foot of their bed and simply said, what was the hardest part of your day? See, we have the time. We just need to refocus the time that we have. No, again, we want to make this really easy for you as parents. And so what we use as a ministry, we believe that we, it's our responsibility as a ministry to cue you as parents to have these kind of conversations. And so we use an, an app called the Parent Cue app. And so if you haven't yet downloaded this, you can get it on the App Store or the Google Play Store. As well as if you turn over your bulletin, there's a phone number that you can actually text to get these cues sent to you every week. And so what this, what, what this will do is it will cue you into conversations at morning, at, at dinner, at, at bedtime, at drive time. If you have really little ones, it will include in there like cuddle time and bath time and feeding time. And so what that will do, it will, it will help you think differently about the time. And here's what's really cool, right? Because if we're combining influence, what it, what it does is it takes what your kids are learning in small group and what conversations you have at the home, and it aligns those so you're having the same kind of conversations. See, and here's what's at the heart of all of this. Like when we talk about impressing the love of God on the next generation, when we talk about having these conversations, when we talk about combining the influence of the family and the church and, and bringing those together, at the heart of all of this is that all generations would love God with their heart, with their soul, with their mind. So we want our kids to love Jesus, to trust Jesus. At every age, at every phase of our kid's life. We want to help them relearn what God's love looks like. And we don't just want that for them, do we? We want this for all of us. Because what we want for our kids and what we want for our teenagers is the same thing we need ourselves. To be reminded that God's grace never runs out on us. That God is always with us. That the death and resurrection of Jesus isn't just an interesting idea, but it actually changes things for us. And so we want our preschoolers to believe that the Bible is true, true, true. And we want them to believe the Bible is true, true, true. Because we want our elementary students to believe that the Bible is true and shows them what's best. And we want them to understand that because we want our middle school students and our high school students to know that God's word actually shows us things we don't even know about ourselves. And it shows us what God wants for us. And what God thinks of us. And those very same desires we want for our kids. It's what we need. See, because kids, let me tell you a secret about your parents. Now, teenagers, you already know this. But but kids, your parents mess up. Right? They they sin. They say things they shouldn't. Maybe even sometimes they hurt your feelings. Because your parents aren't perfect people. And teenagers, your leaders same is true of them. They've said things they regret. They may, they've made bad choices. They probably have things that they hope you never find out about. Because what's true of our leaders, what's true of parents, is true of all of us. And perhaps the best thing you can do for your kids whether they're your kids or somebody else's kids or the kids that you're leading, the best thing you can do for your kids is not convince them you're good, but to show them that God loves you even when you're not. To show them that God will never stop forgiving them. To show them that God will never leave them. That Jesus is for them. That he is with them. That he wants to work through them. And it's that reality that is the very same thing we need. Because I think if we're all honest, we we can look at our own lives. And know that maybe we're not good. Maybe even talking about parenting is hard for you. Because you think, alright, maybe I'm too, you think I'm too late. Or you think I'm, I'm not doing these things, right? And so the reality, and here's the most important thing. Because even if you feel like you're not doing those things, the reality is the best thing you can do for your kids is, is when you feel like you're not doing those things, know that God loves you even when you failed to do it right. Because your kids can see that in you and you can show that to your kids regardless of what age they are, what stage of life they are, because we never grow out of feeling like we're not good enough. And so what would happen if as parents, as leaders, that we reminded kids and teenagers that God loved them and was with them no matter what? What I'd like to do for us as we close and prepare for the Lord's Supper... ...is I want us to, to close with a time of confession. And during, while we celebrate the Lord's Supper... ...if you have your family with you, I encourage you to invite them forward... ...and they can actually, if they haven't been um, trained in what we believe about the Lord's Supper... ...they can, they can receive a blessing while they're up. And even if, they, even if they brought little dolls or something... ...they can bring those forward and have the dolls blessed too. That, that's all good. Um, and and so, so here's what I want to do as we prepare for the Lord's Supper... Um, is I want to give us a time to confess. And this is something we normally do, but because we have kids in here with us, if you have little kids, what I'd like you to do is help them think about this as well. And so teach them and help them say sorry for, for, to God. And you can ha- either ask them just to say sorry to God, or th- maybe some of them might, might want to say sorry for something. And so I will walk you through that, and so you can help your kids do that. If your kids are older, they might not want to do that out loud, and that's okay, they can confess quietly. But then we're also going to take a moment for you as parents to confess so your kids can hear you say sorry. So your kids can hear you admit to God that you sin, that you fall short. And you can say sorry for something specific that maybe they already know. um, Or you can say sorry in general. And then we'll take some time to hear the words of forgiveness as well as for parents for you to share the words of forgiveness with your kids. And then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for loving us, forgiving yourself for us, for being with us. And we know that if we're honest, we know that we all sin, that we fall short, that we don't love you the way we should, that we say things we shouldn't, we do things we shouldn't. And so Jesus, I just ask that you forgive us, that you hear us as we admit the ways we fail, as we are honest about how we have fallen short. For kids, for parents, I just ask that for all of us that we're reminded of your grace and your love for us. And so as parents, as we lead our kids in this time of confession, I ask that you hear their prayers. And as parents, we we also sin. We fall short. As adults, As leaders, we need your forgiveness. And so hear us either silently or as we say we're sorry in front of our own families. Hear us, Jesus. The promise of Jesus to each and every one of us is that your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.